Let me teach this morning. Take out your Bibles and uh, turn to 1 John, 1 John chapter 4. And I want to read a verse there. We've been, uh, I'm, I'm going to close a series here this morning on what is God like. And I've shared that years and years and years ago, my daughter, who is now 28 and married, asked me a question. She was about seven, eight years old. She said, Daddy, what is God like? And I didn't have a great answer for her. And uh, I've wanted to be able to, to respond. So uh, I'm responding. She's still in our church. She's been listening to these messages, and I'm sure learning right along with you. But there are so many aspects of God. We could go on and on about the attributes of God. We've talked about God is good. And uh, by the way, God is good. Last week, we talked about the sovereignty of God. God is in charge completely. And what I want to do is close this teaching up, this series with, I think, one of my very favorite uh, thoughts about God, that God is a God of love. He is a loving, loving God. And so in 1 John chapter 4, verse 16, it says, And so we know and we rely on the love God has for us. The love of God is so powerful that we know it, but we also rely on it. And in a minute, you're going to understand maybe more about that. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in Him. And so I want, to, I want to use that verse to sort of frame this incredible truth that God is, God is love. He is a loving God. So I, I just want to say, Father, in Jesus' name, I, I want to welcome you, dear Holy Spirit, to come. And Lord, if you would teach through me and open our hearts up to this truth, and not only could we know it intellectually, but we could actually rely on it in our life. And so bless this time now as we, as we open our hearts up to your word. We pray in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen, Amen. You know, I remember as I was thinking about this, this subject, I, I thought about um, an old song that came out when I was just a kid. I think it was written by a guy by the name of Burt Bacharach. Man, anybody remember Burt Bacharach? And uh, uh, I think this song was actually made famous by uh, really a wonderful singer by the name of Dionne Warwick. Now, those of you that are young don't even know who Dionne Warwick is. But and so now, listen, I'm not used to singing out loud in the church. I do a lot of it in the shower, but I'm a little insecure. But I'm going to start us, okay? And then if you know this song, I would really, really, really appreciate if you would sort of dive right on with me and sing at least the first sort of little verse of this song. And here's kind of what it sounds like. What the world needs now is love. Sweet love, it's the only thing that there's just too little of. You guys are awesome. (laughs) Eric, you weren't singing. You're too young, aren't you? You don't know this song, do you? All right. (laughs) Can I ask you a question? Would you disagree with that? What the world needs is love. And it's the only thing that there's just seems like there's just, they're just too little of. I mean, can you, can you imagine, just hypothetically, if we could just visit for a moment, hypothetically, what if, what if the Sunnis and the Shias and the Kurds were to have about 10% more love in their hearts? I mean, what, what would be the impact that that might have in the Middle East? I mean, what, what if the Palestinians and the, the Israelis had just 10% more love, more care, more a sense of kindness in their hearts? Would, would it affect the world. I mean, what, what if people in the inner city and what if people in the suburbs had, had just a, just a, a ten, just a little more love? What if we? I mean, just 
What if we, I mean, I, this is why I love the idea of this, the love of the Cedar Valley. Because it's an opportunity for we as churches to come together and, and just tell people God loves you and just do it in a very practical way. But what if we had for our coworkers and for our neighbors and our family and our friends just, just 10% more love? I mean, what, what, what kind of an impact would that have uh, upon our life? Just a little more forgiveness. Just a little more patience. Just a little more compassion. What, what would that do? Well, I doubt if anybody would ever disagree with the fact that what the world needs is more love. But the question that sort of comes out of that is, why is there so little love? Why, why is it that we live in a culture where people are actually starving for love? They're looking for love. And just like the old country western song, looking for love in... Yeah, there's so many places to look for love and so many wrong places to look. Why is that? Why is there such a void in so many people's lives of love? I want to just share with you a few things about what I've learned about love over the years. First of all, here's some truths about love. There is a universal need for love. There is not a person in this room that does not need love. We were born with it. The moment we came from our mother's womb, there was a need for love. In fact... Uh, I've read studies where if children, if babies when they're born, don't experience the caress and the touch and the, the holding of their parents, that they, they grow up emotionally stunted and broken. And so we are, we are born to, to experience love, but then even after that, here I am 55 years old, I still need love, I still need encouragement, I, I still need to have my, my emotions secured by love. We, we all need love. We need affirmation and encouragement and caress. And then the second truth is this. There is a universal solution. Now, as your pastor, I want to tell you that God loves all people. And His love is absolutely superabounding in abundance. There is, there is no end to His love. And God wants to show His love to us. God wants us to experience His love. God wants to heal us. God wants to encourage us and support us and direct us and, and uh, give, it, give us affirmation. He wants to hold us. He, he wants to speak words of life into us. God, there is this super abundance of God's love. In fact, we, we have a picture back here of an ocean. And, and the reason we've got that there is because I, we were thinking about, you know, it's like if you could, you know, take the love of God, all the oceans of all the worlds could never... Hold all the love of God. It's just absolutely superbounding. And yet here is the third truth and the most tragic truth, and that's this, that there is a universal disconnect from the love of God. There is a universal disconnect from the love of God. And I think it is tragic, but though there's an unbelievable need, this superabounding supply, this availability of the love of God, people are still starving for love. And, and so, you know, I, 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 if you could capture this picture, this ocean, just this is liquid love. This is, this is the love of God. And it's, it's, it's just so abundant. It's, there's enough for all of us. And yet, though there are people who have learned to wade out into that love and take their little cup and dip it into the liquid love of God and take this wonderful drink of its refreshing and, and uh, open up the Bible and, and be sprinkled by the love of God. And they know how to get wet in the love of God. They know how to be refreshed in the love of God. And yet there are so many people who don't even know that the ocean even exists. 
There are people right out here in this very affluent neighborhood that we live right next door to that do not know that God loves them and He demonstrated His love for them that while they're living in a place of, of stiff-arming God and thumbing their nose at God, God demonstrated His love in giving His Son for them. There are people who don't even know the ocean of love exists. But then, and I think this is one of the most tragic things, is that there are many, many people who are even part of God's church who sort of stand on the edge of the water. And for some reason or another, they're not walking out into that water and dipping their cup into this wonderful, refreshing love of God and, and, and being secured and being liberated and freed in the love of God. We, we have some way attained to it intellectually in the church. We, we probably would agree with it in our mind, but to actually experience the love of God is something really foreign to many, many people who are Christian. Church is filled with people who are starving for love. And so, my friends, if you, if you can just sort of capture that picture, because I want to talk to you today about the love of God. First John chapter 3, verse 1. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Listen, you are God's kids. And He absolutely loves you. He adores you. You are the object of His affection. And it goes on. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Listen, we are to live a life so secure in the love of God that we actually are different than, than those folks out there that are hurt and broken and lost. And we're to have great compassion for them. And we're to point them in the right direction. But I'm telling you, we are to have an experience with the love of God. My Christian life has now spanned about 35 years. That's because I'm old. Um, I, I, I became a Christian when I was 20. And, uh, and so I've, I've you know, been walking with the Lord now for 35 years. Probably the first decade of my Christian life, my first 10 years, was learning how just the disciplines of the Christian life. I don't know how your Christian life has lived itself out, but my first 10 years was uh, 10 years of learning how to pray, how to read my Bible, uh, it was learning how to, uh, I'm not real good at fasting yet, but I'm, I learned that there was a place for that. How to, how to give of my talents and my gifts to help build God's church. It was, it was a time of really learning the disciplines. Then about the next 10 or 12 years, we began to move into a journey of learning about the Holy Spirit. And the beauty of the Spirit and who He is and what He does and the gifts of the Holy Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit and, and all the things that come as a result of really being connected with and, and, and being enjoined to the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. We, we learned that over the next 10 to 12 years. And then probably the last maybe decade or so has been learning how to do ministry, how to, how to minister like Jesus ministered, how to learn how to lay hands on people that are sick and broken and how to encourage the brokenhearted, how to, how to bring the message of the gospel to people. So over the course of the years, we've learned different things. But if there would be one thing that you could say, Dan, you know, what, what is the most important thing that you've learned in your 35 years? Here it is. That I would come to some way believe and embrace and experience God loves me. And God loves me apart from my performance. God loves me whether I'm jumping through the hoops or not jumping through the hoops. God loves me. God loves me whether I'm cleaning up my act or not cleaning up my act. God loves me. God, God loves me uh, whether I'm 
uh, you know, getting all my things together right and I've got my ducks in a row and God loves me. God, God loves me. And this is something that is a journey that I think takes us all the way into eternity. But, but I tell you, my friends, we have this wonderful opportunity here upon this earth to get a start on understanding the great love of God. So what is God's love like? What is God's love like? Let me, let me give you some ideas here. First of all, you may want to jot this in your outline. It's, it's an important word. It may be a little bit of a spiritual word, but I'll explain it. God's love is holy. It is a holy love. Now, you'd say, well, what does that mean? The word holy literally means totally other than. It's something completely different. The love of God is different than human love. The love of God is not based upon... Performance is not based upon uh, how I'm doing or how I'm not doing. The love of God is based upon a choice that God made in my life. And He said, I love Him. And I'm not going to take it back. I love Him. And whether He's good or bad or ugly, I I love Him. God's love is is holy. The the New Testament writers actually coined a word, actually invented a word. And uh, you'd say, can you do that? Yeah, there are words being invented all the time. They actually had to invent a word to describe God's love. It was called agape. Agape love. That is God love. They did not want to confuse God love, the God kind of, the holy love of God, the super abounding affection of God. They didn't want that to be confused with the human love, phileo love, which is friendship. Erotic love, eros, the erotic love, the sexual love that men and women have together in marriage. They didn't want God love to be confused with those two, so they you know, they developed this this idea of agape love because it's so it's so different. I, I just want to say to you, my friends, God's God's intention for you, God's heart for you, God's desire for you is always, always, always the very best. He wants the best for you always. And if I could just ask you, is that the way you see God? And if you don't, you know, it's okay. Because the Bible says that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. There's part of my mind that continually needs to be renewed to the truth of the fact that God loves me. That God always has intention for me. He is kind. He is open. He is friendly. He is warm. He is gentle. He is patient. He is empathetic. He is tender. This is, this is our God. Always. He is always that way. Well, the second thing is this. God's love is to express unconditional affection. I believe, and I'm, I'm just going to say something at the risk of maybe sounding harsh, but I really believe this, that for the first 20 years of my Christian life, I lived a substandard Christian life. And it was substandard in that I understood intellectually with my brain what the love of God was. And I agreed with God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. But I never experienced it for myself. I never had the richness of the experience of God breaking into my heart and saying, I love you. I so love you. And I, just, I remember days when the Lord began to open up my heart to the, the truth of this and I began to experience the, the affection of God. And it just sort of reminds me now, of, you know, I'm a, I'm a grandpa, I've got three grandkids. I mean, I just, I just absolutely love these kids. I don't get to see my grandsons as much as I wish, but I get to see this granddaughter all the time, Maisie Grace. And uh, she is absolutely dear to me. And every time uh, we know that Maisie Grace is going to come over to my house, our house, Raylene says, my wife says, go shave. Make sure you shave. 
Because if I don't shave, little Maisie Grace ends up with red marks all over her face. Because I just love her. I just, I just, I'm kissing on her. I'm, man, she's just getting kissed all over that. She loves, she's fine with it. And the only thing she's got to do to get all the kisses from grandpa is just let me hold her. Just let me, let me hold you just for a minute, kid. So I can lavish you with kisses on your face. God feels that way about you. Do you see God that way? See, the, the church, even the church has not embraced the, it's the, the superabounding, incredible, affectionate love of God. God wants to express His love in unconditional affection. And then number three, God's love is expressed, listen to this one, selective correction. <laughs> and I'm going to get to that here in just a minute. We want to talk about this. But God loves me so much that any time He sees my relationships, my thoughts, my priorities, the things in my life are moving in a direction that is going to damage me or others, He brings correction in His love. He loves me so much. He loves me just the way I am, but He loves me so much that He's not willing for me to go on off into a ditch. He expresses His love in selective correction. And I say selective because thank God He doesn't spank me every time I do something wrong. Otherwise, I'd be getting a spanking about every, you know, 30, 40 minutes or so. Whap! Get, get God, God shows mercy. I mean, thank God for the mercy of God, you know. And, but, but there's times then selectively that He goes, uh-uh, nope, sorry, I love you, I'm with you. Therefore, you're going to get a spanking. And sometimes that spanking comes in an internal pressure that you feel. It's, it's an internal discomfort that you feel. The Holy Spirit begins to move inside. Other times, it is external circumstance that begins to move in your life. But I tell you, God loves you so much that He will bring selective correction to your life only because He has the very best in mind for you. And then the fourth thing is this, that God's love is His disposition. It's just who He is. It's His nature. If you really want to know the core nature of God, you have to understand, He is loving. It is, it's, it's His primary uh, character. You hang out with God long enough, you find out that is all He wants to do is love you. And it is just, it's just simply who He is. Now, the question that I have again is, is that the way you see God? And if it's not, I would suggest that we go together as a church on a journey to discover the love of God. Now, how does God reveal His love to us? First of all, God shows His love to us through kindness that He shows to all people. All people. Everybody. Can I tell you something? Everybody experiences the love of God. Folks, people, people don't have to be Christian to fall in love. People don't have to be Christian to have babies. People don't have to be Christian to have beautiful weddings. People don't have to be Christian to be creative and successful and, and blessed. I mean, God shows kindness to all people. In fact, let me read to you a verse, Acts chapter 17, verse 25. And God is not served by human hands as if He needed anything, because He Himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. Verse 27, here's the reason. God did this so that men would seek Him and perhaps reach out to Him and find Him, though He is not far from each one of us. God shows His kindness to all people with a hope that one day they will understand the kindness of God and that the kindness of God will lead them to repentance. That's what Romans says. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. God is pursuing all men. 
God is after them. And the fact that, listen to me, the fact that this church, and I just scratch my head going, Lord, what has happened here? We started out in a living room with three or four people, and now we're having to take reservation cards for crying out loud to get to church. And I realize that it's created kind of a discomfort for some of us. And, and we just go, I don't know if I really want the church to get that big and kind of irritate. Listen to me. This is it's an expression of the love of God. This is the, he let me in. Can, can I not let you in? Huh? I mean, I, if I find somebody out there that's broken, lost, can I, can I say, no, sorry. You know, uh, there is no immediate seating at this point. Just kind of, you know, take a number. And one of these days, maybe we'll let you... No, listen. God is pursuing all people. And, and therefore, to me, as, as the church grows, and I, I pray that every church in the Cedar Valley and beyond grows by the power of the Spirit because it's an expression of Jesus fulfilling His mission statement. The Bible says the Son of God came for this reason, that He might seek and save those that are lost. That's His mission statement. That's why He came. He hunted me down. He hunted you down. He's going to hunt them down. And now we as God's people embrace whoever comes in the name of the Lord and love them in Jesus' name. And so God, He reveals His love by showing His kindness to all people. And then number two, God shows His love through discipline. Through His discipline. Let me just sort of unfold this just for a moment. I realize we don't like this one. Nobody likes discipline. I've got two... New sons, one adopted son, now one new foster son, and one's 18, one's 17. We're sort of, we're back in the saddle again, you know. It's like, whoa. Uh, that, n- nobody likes discipline, I, I realize that. But, but listen to what Hebrews says, chapter 12, verse 5. And you have forgotten the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons. Here it is. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when He rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those that He loves. (laughs) God disciplines those that He loves. And He punishes everyone He accepts as a son. Now the word punishment does not mean like inflicting pain. The word punishment means to correct something with a desired effect. And the word He punishes those that He accepts... The word accept actually in the Greek means to enfold on his lap. He, he, he pulls you up on his lap and, and he says, sweetheart, you're going in the wrong direction. And he turns you over and he swats your backside and then he pulls you back around and then he lavishes you with love. Do you see God this way? That this is our God. And, and, I, and I tell you, in, in fact, the Bible even says, just understand every hardship you go through, just Open your heart up and say, God is just bringing discipline to my life. He's teaching me. Don't, don't just say, God, how can I get out of this? This ticks me off. Lord, what do you want me to learn? I, I want to learn. I want to be teachable. And so, God brings discipline to those that He loves. There's been a study done just recently on juvenile delinquents and trying to determine how, why is it that some young people go on into juvenile delinquency. And so they began to ask these people, these young people, questions. Why have you gone off? Why have you done all the, the drugs and the, the, the gangbanging and the whole... What, what has happened to you? Do you know the number two reason why these young people said themselves, why they went off into desperate depths of sin? Because my mom and dad didn't discipline me. 
My mom and dad didn't tell me no. My mom and dad didn't ask me when I was going to be in or when, you know, set a curfew. Or my, my mom and dad didn't, didn't ask me, do your chores. Did you do your chores? No. Then go do them. Well, I don't like that. I don't like to do my chores. I know. I understand it. But do you understand that these young people over time began to, to see that discipline and love went hand in hand and they weren't getting the discipline. And so, so what I'm saying is this, that God loves you so much that He will selectively discipline your life by either bringing internal conviction that gets so incredibly painful, been there, done that, probably do it again, or He will orchestrate circumstances in your life that become very painful only to direct you into His high call that He has and His high purpose and His plan for you in your life. If you believe that, could you say amen this morning? All right. So, God reveals His love through His discipline. And then number three, God reveals His love through His Holy Spirit. And I, I mean, I love this one, gang. I, I, and I know many of you do too. Romans chapter 8, verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. Man, I love that. The spirit of sonship. God the Holy Spirit is called the spirit of sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Papa, Daddy, Father. I remember the first time I heard someone pray, Papa. And I thought, that's weird. Like, what's up with that? And my mind had to be renewed to the fact that's who God is. Abba is Papa. Papa, Daddy, Dad. And the Holy Spirit, when I opened my heart up to Jesus, when you opened your heart up to Jesus... One of the great dynamics that took place. Your sins were forgiven, but number two, God placed the third person of the Trinity in you. He said, I'm not going to make, I'm not let you be an orphan. I'm going to come to you. I'm going to live with you and I'm going to be in you. God, the Holy Spirit comes into us. And now the third person of the Trinity begins to function in a way that brings the most honor to Jesus. He reveals the, the close presence and the love of Jesus Christ for our lives. That's his job. That's his job, is to bring us into a connection to the love of God so that our emotions can be secure, so we can be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. The Bible says they that know their God will be strong and do exploits. Let me tell you something, you know how much God loves you. You know that God is behind you every step of the way. You become strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. It is a, it's a, a, a profound truth. This is the work of the Spirit. I, I remember, uh, it's been about 15 years ago, that uh, uh, my mother was dying of cancer. We were driving to Ames. She was in the, the cancer hospital there in Ames, and we were driving there often to see her. And then at the same time, during the same time, uh, we found that my wife had uh, cancer. And I just remember the day that uh, I walked out early in the, mor- in the morning. I was, man, I was down. I mean, I was, whew. Uh, it was tough. And I walked out into the park. It was about 5 o'clock in the morning. And as I walked out, I, I remember seeing a tree and there was a big limb that was lying there on the ground. And I, I just, I didn't know what to do. I was frustrated. I was afraid. I was angry. Uh, I, I just, there's all these very negative emotions just swirling through me. And I remember picking up this branch and I just began to hit this tree. I just, I just, I just wailed on this tree and I just, I just, I just remember, God, God, you know, Lord, no. Didn't know what else to do. Now, 
You might say, well, did God give you a spanking? Not at all. God the Holy Spirit began to minister to me the Bible. And He ministered to me that day. I remember Romans chapter 8, verse 18. And Paul says, for now we consider that this momentary light affliction is not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in you. And I said, so, Lord, you're with us? Yep. You're going to take us through this? Yes. And if God before you, who could ever be against you? And God began to, the Holy Spirit just began to flood me with verses. And suddenly everything changed. I tell you, this is the blessing, my friends, of reading your Bible. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit actually brings to you remembrance. You know, those things that He wants to minister to you from God. Folks, you've got to stick this in your rememberer in order for Him to bring it to your remembrance. So, so like, read the book. Get some stuff in your rememberer. Because the Holy Spirit loves to bring to your remembrance. You know, so He can minister life to you and express His love to you. And so, even especially in times of suffering and difficulty, I tell you, I'm so thankful for the ministry of the Holy Spirit that brings the love of God to our hearts. And then finally, number four, God reveals His love through His Son, through His Son, Jesus. Jesus models grace and truth and compassion. Jesus is the picture of the love of God. If you look at your Bible and go, this thing is pretty daunting, I don't think I can get through the, through the whole book, then just pick out Matthew. Just read Matthew. You know? or, or open up to John. Just go through John and read and look at Jesus who says, I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And you look at this Jesus respond to little children where He says, let them come up to me. Put them up here on my lap. Let me bless them. Let me love them. Because such is the kingdom of heaven. You see him responding to that little leper man, that guy that his skin's fallen off of him in Mark chapter 3. And he comes up to Jesus. Lord, if you're willing, you could heal me. Jesus said, I'm willing. I'm willing. And you see the love of God in action. You see Jesus healing Jairus' daughter in the Gospels. You, you see Him healing that little boy that was throwing himself into the fire and, and He casts out a demon. And this little boy is free. You, you see Him ministering to this crazy man in Gadara, this guy who is naked and in chains and just so demonized. And Jesus expresses the love of the Father to this man and, throws the demons out, lets them go into the pigs, and this man is free. I mean, you see this great picture of the love of God in the person of Jesus Christ. It is a powerful... You see Luke chapter 15 where where uh, the, the, the Pharisees are all just sort of ticked off. Well, why do you hang out with those sinful prostitutes, you know, alcoholic... What are you doing? And Jesus said, well, you guys don't need a doctor. And then I almost see him kind of wink like, yeah, right. But he said, these folks need a doctor. And then he tells these beautiful, three beautiful parables. The lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. And his point is, God has come to pursue people that he loves. Jesus is this beautiful picture of the love of God. And then in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, I'll tell you, this, this verse, if you've not memorized this, you need to. For God demonstrated His own love for us that while we were yet sinners, Jesus died for us. When I was stiff-arming God, He died for me. He loved me. I almost see myself 
I've seen myself at times like on an auction block and slave trading. And, uh, you know, one guy steps up. Well, you know, he's, he's pretty strapping guy. I'll give 200 bucks for that slave. Next guy steps up. Well, he's a real big guy. We'll give $400 for him. And then I step up on that auction block and I just, I just imagine God now putting the bid down and saying, I want him. Well, how much are you going to give for him? I'm going to give the life of my son. And I'm telling you, my friends, there, there's a truth about the love of God. And that is object's value is always determined by the price paid. And God paid an enormous price for your life. Therefore, it expresses His intense, intense love for you. And so, my friends, how do we respond to the love of God? Let me just give you a couple thoughts as we close. Number one, receive by faith the love of God in your heart. Receive it by faith in your heart. They say, Lord, I just I accept it. I, re- I receive it. It's all I can do, but I do receive it. John chapter 1, verse 12. Yet to all who received Him, to those who believed in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. If you are here today and you have not yet received the love of God into your heart, I would just say, do it. I, I just appeal to you. Don't wait. Step out into the water. Let, let Jesus love you by the power of His Spirit. And then number two, believe it by faith in your mind. Now, now, can I talk to my church for a minute? Those of you that have been walking with the Lord, saturate your mind with the Scripture concerning the love of God. If you want a great study, get into 1 John. It's just got like four, five chapters. And just read 1 John and read it over and over and over. And suddenly you'll, be, you'll begin to be saturated by this incredible truth. God loves me. My gosh, God loves me. And as you become more and more saturated with that deep understanding... It begins to emote the actual experience of the love of God. And so, what I'm saying is believe it in your mind. Saturate your mind. And then I would also say, in my church, my church, my family, ask God to give you this ability to embrace His love. Remember Paul's praying in Ephesians 3? He says, Lord... I pray that they, their hearts would be opened, that they would understand the depth and the height and the length and the breadth of the love of God. See, it is a work of the Spirit. This is something that you really can't attain to intellectually as much as God the Holy Spirit bringing understanding to you. And so I would say, though it's important to saturate your mind with the Scripture about the love of, love of God, it's even more important to say, Father, give me, give me deep understanding of your love. And so, receive it by faith in your heart. Believe it by faith in your mind. Here's the last one. Give it by faith by your will. Give it away. Give it, I, I, love, I, I went back one day and listened to our kids sing, and they were singing this song. You gotta get God's love and give it away. You gotta get God. That is true. And the more you, I don't know how it works, but the more you give the love of God to people, the more capacity you have to drink of His great love. And as you go down to that ocean, your capacity is just stronger to embrace this great love, this affection that God has for you. Give and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You know, I want to make sure that if there's someone here that suddenly has discovered there is an ocean of love available to me. And I've probably been looking for love in a lot of wrong places, but I realize that God loves me and He wants me to be His own. I wonder if, if you're here this morning, I just want to make sure that you are given an opportunity to simply, in faith, receive Jesus into your heart. And so, if you're here this morning and suddenly it's like, wow, the ocean is for me. 
I want to take a drink. If you're here this morning, you've never asked Jesus in your heart, just hold your hand up. I just want to know you're there. Is anybody here? I'm looking. All right. I think we're all Christian. I, I want to ask then, church, how many of you would say, I need a deeper experience in the love of God? I don't know if I fully, not with my mind understand, but in my experience, I don't know if I fully you know, embrace the depths of the love of God. And I, I really do want a deeper, richer, more full experience in the love of God. Would you just hold your hand up this morning? Just hold them up. Okay. Could you just hold them up now? Hi, just hold them there. And I, I'm going to ask my church, would you just look around? And it's legal to get out and move around. If you see someone you know that's got their hand up, just move right to them. And could you lay your hand upon them? And just, could just set your hand on them. And what we're going to do is just simply affirm that they're saying, I am praying right now. I'm asking God, my Father, to open up my heart more and more to the height and the depth and the length and the breadth of the love of God. And so I want to pray, and then some of you are going to be given prayers to pray once I'm finished. You feel welcome to do that, all right? So I just want to say, Father, in Jesus' name, I bless those that have lifted their hands. I believe, Lord, that it's your heart and your desire to fulfill their desire to experience more richly and fully your love and the impact it's going to have upon their lives, their families, their friends, those that they work with, their neighbors. Father, bless them. Lord, come, Holy Spirit, and minister love, the love of Jesus Christ to their hearts. I thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for your truth. And now, Lord, as you birth prayer in your people, let us pray just simply obediently. Bless my church, O God, and let her understand clearly how much you love us. We love you in Jesus' name. God's people said... Amen, amen. God bless you all. Feel welcome to pray for each other. The Lord bless you. See you next week.